The thing about comparing rates at Progressive.com is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about comparing rates at Progressive.com. We probably don't even need the words comparing rates anymore to remind you that seasoning steaks at Progressive.com is an easy way to save on car insurance. Or that swimming in trousers helps you find the lowest rate. And that's the thing about foraging for truffles. You've heard a lot of ads about standing tiptoe on a cinder block. Compare rates and <clears throat> sing softly to a wounded field mouse and save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. We are back with a crazy episode and in this episode we are going to discuss a few what if scenarios. Like what if Mercedes leave Formula One after the virus passes? Or what if Sebastian Vettel decides not to renew with Ferrari? Or uh, what if Renault were to go? Really, is Renault the like the third most fun thing you could think of in this what if game, Mithila? Like... Are they paying you for this? Or? No, they're not paying me for this and neither are you, Kunal. So let's move on. <laughs> right, okay. So what if Kimi Raikkonen retires from Formula 1 at the end of 2020? Yeah, now you're just being mean. No, this is payback. But okay, what if Haas leave Formula 1? Yeah, or even better, what if Bernie Ecclestone buys back Formula 1 from Liberty Media? Guys, this is the longest off-season ever. And remember, neither you nor we know how these scenarios will eventually play out after the pandemic. So sit back and enjoy our what-if scenarios because we can and we will get a little crazy, I'm pretty sure. And also, let's remember, we don't know which ones might actually come true. Awesome. And guys, in case you're listening to us on our trailer, that's all we can pack in. But please search for us where the Inside Line Formula One podcast will be available on any app that you listen to podcasts on. And come listen to our full episode. It's lots of fun. Also, we're the Inside Line F1 podcast on Facebook. So go follow us there. We host a live Facebook show and a Formula One quiz every Sunday evening and afternoon, depending on your time zone. Awesome. So formation lap over, Kunal. It's time to go racing. And on to the first what if point. What if Mercedes were to leave Formula One? I think Formula One will be devastated in every way to see the reigning champions just go away without being able to or without defending their titles, right? And this would also mean that there would be no seat for Lewis Hamilton, the reigning driver's champion. Yeah, forget no seat. There's going to be like no car for Hamilton or Bottas. And they're the drivers who finished 1-2 in the championship in 2019. Right. And worse... There will be six cars on the grid with no engines because let's also remember Racing Point and Williams. And Kunal, it gets worse. For 2021, McLaren will have to stay with Renault. Just when McLaren thought they'll get Mercedes and they'll recover and come back to, you know, the front, you know, that's what would happen. Or everyone could just get Ferrari engines. We become Formula Ferrari from Formula One. That's what we could do. <laughs> And Formula One would be like, hey, Ferrari, guys, we know that, you know, the budget cap is lower than what you guys would have liked. But, hey, how about making some more money by selling power units to all the 20 cars on the grid? Assuming that there would be 20 cars on the grid because somebody would have to replace Mercedes. Then. Exactly. And, Kunal, no one's actually going to complain about the legality of Ferrari's engines. <laughs> I mean, I think the only people or the only thing that people could complain about is, hey, Ferrari isn't giving all their customers equal engines. 
I think the word equal doesn't exist in Ferrari's dictionary and that's why they have struggled handling, you know, Leclerc and Vettel last season given that they wanted both of them to be equal, right? Good point. Yes, but uh, if Mercedes go and if Hamilton doesn't have a seat or then he won't have a seat, right? So if Mercedes go and Hamilton doesn't have a seat, I'm pretty sure or I'm 100% sure that Liberty Media will get Lewis Hamilton a seat at Ferrari. There is no way that the most popular racing driver of recent times and popular even outside of Formula One, you know, doesn't get a competitive seat or doesn't get a seat in Formula One. That's a great point. And Kunal, that actually brings me to my next what if scenario. What if Sebastian Vettel does not renew with Ferrari? I mean, you know, every day there's like a new rumor being released. And I sometimes wonder who's releasing all these rumors because some of them are so whacked out. Yes, so Olaf Moll, the Dutch F1 commentator, he believes that Carlos Sainz's team or Carlos Sainz himself started the whole Sainz to Ferrari, you know, rumors. So at least one part of the puzzle of, you know, who's spreading these rumors may have just sort of come out, right? But it's not confirmed and uh, yes, we're not solving puzzles. We are, you know, we are playing the what if game. Uh, if Vettel was to not renew with Ferrari, I think he will go to McLaren. I don't think there might be another option out there for him. Wow. So basically, Sebastian Vettel could go literally the Fernando Alonso way from Ferrari to McLaren. And it's just that Vettel will have two more world championships to boast about. <laughs> That's true. Or he could just plead Red Bull Racing to take him back. Yeah, their team. that's true. But, you know, forget where Sebastian Vettel will go. I mean, he will find his way. He is Sebastian Vettel after all. I'm wondering who would take Vettel's place at Ferrari. So we already discussed these options in our episode from last week. It includes Ricardo. We hope that Perez is in the, you know, in, in the discussion points as well. Uh, there is uh, Antonio Giovinazzi and Carlos Sainz Jr. They, that, that episode is still very relevant, guys. So you guys are welcome to go tune back in. Great. And Kunal, honestly, knowing Ferrari, I feel like they just might accommodate Giovinazzi despite his lack of experience, you know, just so that they could make space to accommodate Mick Schumacher at Alfa Romeo. Like, I don't even know anymore what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Ferrari and Schumacher and they will try and relive or replay that magic at some point for sure. Exactly. But next, what if scenario? And here's where things start escalating. Kunal, what if Ferrari actually agrees to have... Fernando Alonso back in Formula 1. Okay, I can bet with you and everyone else listening that this ain't ever happening. I think Fernando Alonso is never coming back to Formula 1. I'm sorry to say that, guys. I'm sorry that you're listening into this, Gunjan. But that's the true reality. I think Formula 1 has moved on from Fernando Alonso. You know, to the likes of George Russell, Esteban Ocon, Max Verstappen, Leclerc and all the other kids who are now making their debuts. Yeah, but Kunal, this is a what-if scenario. It's not like a what-if-never scenario. So if Fernando Alonso does come back to Formula 1 with Ferrari, I foresee a fantastic battle between Hamilton and Alonso. There better be one, yes. I know, and I get this feeling that Alonso is going to be even more lethal this time around, you know, knowing that time is limited and he literally has nothing to lose anymore. Yeah, and knowing that Leclerc is literally the favoured boy in the Ferrari garage. So, I think it would be crazy to have Alonso back for the sport and the business of Formula 1. Absolutely no doubt about that. And even more so, uh, you know, for the new Formula 1 fans out there, uh, it would be like watching a legend in action, a legend that, uh, you know, tamed another bigger legend by the name of Michael Schumacher. Indeed. Okay, we're going to go on to the next what-if scenario. Kunal, your turn. 
Well, what if, you know, since we are on Ferrari and seeking replacements and so on, right? But what if Nico Rosberg decides to return to Formula One? You mean with Mercedes or with Ferrari? You know, the scenario is more fun to build if he goes elsewhere and, say, joins Ferrari, right? So, Ferrari hiring Nico Rosberg to partner Charles Leclerc and see if they finally find a way to beat Hamilton and Mercedes. That's interesting, actually. And, you know, if Nico Rosberg does return, I think he's going to be one of the many world champions who've, uh, you know, returned to Formula One. Like, I can think of, off the top of my head, Michael Schumacher, Kimi Raikkonen, even Jensen Button actually yes, returned to Formula lots One. lots of them. They just keep coming back. We love them, of yeah. course. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Nico Rosberg, I'm sure you saw the Nico Rosberg video with Sadhguru. And that was an unexpected combination. And, Absolutely. Uh, for for you all uh, international listeners who don't know, uh, Sadhguru is an Indian spiritual leader and he has a massive following. So an interesting guy. Well, I'm not a follower of Sadhguru, but I can say I'm a follower of Nico Rosberg. And I did see that video. Firstly, I was surprised. I was like, whoever would have thought that Sadhguru of all people would, you know, make it to Rosberg's famous YouTube channel. I was <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised. I know, I was too. And, you know, I actually liked Rosberg's, you know, entire uh, demeanor and humility on the show. Like, it's so easy to forget that he is a former world champion and he beat Lewis Hamilton in the same car. Okay, before you piss off the Lewis Hamilton fans... Let's move on to the next No, but, but I'm not done. <laughs> I just wanted to say that I thought that Nico Rosberg's humility was praiseworthy. I agree. And, um, it's, it's, it's become his trademark, you know, personality. It was. And, you know, when he was on the video with Sadhguru, he was so honest. And he said that he was uh, surprised that Sadhguru knew who he was, you know, that he recognized yeah, and, him. You know, from what I've seen, it's I've actually seen this time and again. You know, Nico Rosberg doesn't always expect people to know... You know that he's a former world champion. He's probably got very little or no airs about his achievement. And that sort of comes out in his, you know, interactions, at least that the ones that we get to see on YouTube and several other places. It does. And in fact, Rosberg also recently admitted that he may not be as talented as Lewis Hamilton or that Hamilton could go on and actually win nine titles, you know, given the form that he and Mercedes are in. You know, that's that's a lot of honesty coming from Rosberg because if you ask several other drivers, they'll say, oh, I'm just as talented as Lewis is. And But let's also keep this in perspective. Like Rosberg praising Hamilton also means that he's, you know, indirectly praising or, or bringing notice to his achievement of being a Hamilton beater. There is like this, you know, underlying message out there saying Hamilton's like really talented but hey guys I beat him yeah it's like a backhanded compliment that comes right back to him that's what you call it I guess yeah yeah sure okay Kunal next uh, what if scenario and I'm gonna go with what if Renault decides to leave Formula 1 I'm gonna add to that what if Haas decide to leave Formula 1 what if the inside line Formula 1 podcast decides to leave Formula 1 nah that's not happening thank god (laughs) Yeah, lots of negative scenarios, guys. But hey, we are only preparing you for the worst. Uh, just as, you know, uh, the FIA and F1 are preparing for the worst too, literally. Okay, so Kunal, let's go step by step. I'm I'm like excited to talk about Renault first. Uh, if they go, it's only their operation that's going to be impacted in the larger scheme of things. Yeah, and you know, like from next year, they've got no customer 
team that's, you know, buying their power units. So if they go, it's just them. Yeah, it's a contained loss in that sense. But I feel so bad for Esteban Ocon. It just feels like he can't get a break, you know, like wherever he goes, money is causing havoc in his career. Like at Racing Point, Stroll didn't just buy a seat. He bought the entire team. Yeah. And at Renault, you know, they're partly owned by the French public and they have a famous history of exiting and then entering and then exiting the spot again and again. But, you know, come to think of it, it's actually more easy now for Renault than ever before to leave Formula 1 without causing much peripheral damage. The worst part is they probably know this and they they would, you know, factor this in their equation. You know, just, you know, like we said, it's just their team and no customers. And the other interpretation to this could be that Renault are so slow that nobody wants to be their customer. You know, either for, <laughs> you know for all the legal components that one could buy of them. Of course, I'm kidding, guys, but... Yeah, I think the biggest damage would be to Daniel Ricciardo's career. Like, no podiums or no wins. I mean, his whole uh, outing with Renault was just a whole lot of talk and hope and money. And but, it was disappointing. But, but come to think of it, you know, when you talk of a driver's career, one would think that, okay, the driver would have had certain achievements, which Ricardo does have, and that the driver would have made a lot of money, Right. And I think Ricardo's been very smart in playing this. He said, I've had my achievements with Red Bull. Now I need to go make the money. And that's where that's what I'm <laughs> going to do, you know, with Renault. But uh, come to think of it. And, you know, again, another wild scenario. What if Daniel Ricardo uses all that money to buy himself a seat elsewhere in Formula oh, 1? Of this course, is... it will only be with, be with a slower, smaller Mino team. So it, it's a stupid what if idea. But that's just the amount of that's the amount of money Ricardo has made in the last two years with Renault. That's incredible. But we shouldn't move on from here because what if Haas leave Formula One? Because they've been making all the noises as well, saying, hey, we don't know if he will commit longer and so on, right? Can you imagine what would happen to the Netflix Drive to Survive show? Like having no Haas, having no Groshaw, having no Magnussen, and worse, having no Gunther Steiner. Yeah, in I don't think show. the show can exist either. That would be really, really Maybe Netflix will just go and say, hey guys, here's the money, just keep racing. Like, just keep at it. <laughs> or Netflix would go and tell Liberty Media, you know what, let Haas go, but give Gunther Steiner a role somewhere else in some other team. You know, we need his character in the show. Yeah, maybe he'd be paid by Netflix to stay on. Uh, but Kunal, I am actually not done talking about Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, I was actually wondering, wondering, do you think Liberty Media could get involved and, you know, step in to make sure that Ricciardo remains in a competitive car, even if Renault decides to leave? You know, I think so. I'll put it this way. Uh, Liberty Media would be deeply concerned about, you know, how a competitive uh, seat with a top team like Red Bull is being used for experiments time and again. You know, rather than getting a great talent who could challenge Max Verstappen. And I think I think that's the biggest story the sport would love to narrate. Finding someone who could beat Max, who could challenge Max Verstappen. Yeah, so coming back to the theme of our episode, actually, the what-if scenarios. I'm going to frame it like this. What if Daniel Ricciardo goes back to Red Bull Racing? And I think with the power of hindsight, Ricciardo might well be, you know, thinking that he shouldn't have left Red Bull Racing Absolutely. at all. Yeah. But, you know, since this is about the future, uh, what if Ricciardo actually partners Red Bull Race, uh, Max Verstappen at Red Bull Racing again? I think it'll be a killer combination, without a doubt. You know, we've already seen how lethal and entertaining this partnership has been in the past. But, uh, you know, beating Verstappen at Red Bull second time around would be just that much more difficult for Ricardo because 
Red Bull has, you know, centered the team and their plans and their, you know, operations and ambitions even more so around Max Verstappen after Ricardo left. So it would be a gigantic task, you know, if Ricardo was to go back. Yeah, absolutely. I really think that Daniel Ricciardo is one of those, you know, super talented drivers uh, that Formula One risks losing out on simply because of the lack of competitive drives. True. And Kunal, we spoke about this a few episodes ago, uh, how Formula One is literally skipping an entire generation of drivers like Ricciardo and even Perez for that matter and uh, going straight to the young guns. Yep. But, Kunal, now I have to ask the question. What if Red Bull Racing leaves Formula 1? Like, they've been threatening to go, but they haven't actually been actively threatening since they started winning and doing well with Honda Power. But what if they go? I think that would be another catastrophe for Formula 1 as well. Like, four cockpits disappearing, you know, 20% of the grid, easy math to do. But not to mention the cool marketing, you know, they've done ever so often around, you know, the sport of Formula One, tried to make it more accessible and so on. I mean, honestly, I can't think of Formula One without Red Bull. Uh, You know, they've sort of made the sport their very own, even though they're not a car manufacturer. Yeah, I remember like when Bernie Ecclestone didn't bother marketing Formula One as much. It was actually Red Bull Racing who was marketing the sport and really taking it to the younger millennial audiences. True, absolutely. I mean, Red Bull have been, uh, you know, they've they've been great partners to Formula One. And that's one relationship I really hope never goes south. Yeah, so even if they like decide to leave uh, as constructors, they should just kind of stay on as the marketing department of Formula One. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kural, here's my favorite what if. What if virtual Grand Prix are actually the future of Formula One? Well, in that case, I will call my retirement, early retirement in life. I will sit at home and I will do podcasts on the real races. And thank God that I have like real races from at least the last 70 years to talk about. So I won't be out of work for sure. <laughs> yeah, you could host those with Lucien. Uh, he's been doing some really interesting segments on races of the past and he knows so much. Yes, in fact, uh, Lucien sent me a few messages, you know, after last week's episode. Uh, it was about this perception that Ferrari have participated in all Formula One races till date. And he actually sent me a list of races they did not participate in. And why? Wow. Trust Lucien to actually dig out history like a good old historian. Yes. So, you know, first things first, uh, Ferrari have failed to race in uh, 25 Formula One Grand Prix till date. That's like a full season come to think of it. <laughs> Liberty Media thinks sure. of 25 races. So starting all the way from 1950 till all the way 1976, the, you know, the reasons have been either due to factory strikes, safety issues, Death of their drivers are just plain politics. Sometimes even just having slow cars, but we can just call that under, you know, plain politics. <laughs> Kunal, I think you should share like one race that Ferrari was absent from for our listeners that they should know. So it was the 1976 Austrian Grand Prix, the season uh, that we actually now remember as the movie Rush, the 1976 Formula One season. Uh, Ferrari refused to race, uh, you know, in that race after the FI overturned an earlier disqualification of James Hunt, you know, which was from the Spanish Grand Prix. They bent and reinstated his victory and and the points that came with it, right? Wow, that's so interesting. And Lucien, thank you so much for all this information. In fact, I'm going to take his permission to, you know, publish this content on my Formula One blog. So you guys can go and check it out uh, on my blog, Kunal's F1 blog in a few days from now. 
Okay, Kunal. So I'm going to go on to the next what if scenario, and this is really interesting. What if Lance Stroll and Toto Wolff buy Formula One from Liberty Media? Yeah, they could. They're the new power couple of the sport. You know, I like how new... you put that. <laughs> I'm also wondering then, uh, would Toto Wolff be like the new chase carrier of Formula One? I don't know, but I, I would. I would imagine so, right? Uh, unlike Lawrence Stroll, who seems happy to sit back and hire executives to you know run the show. Uh, Wolf seems very happy to take on active roles, like you know he's doing so with uh, Mercedes. Yeah, and I think from this scenario, my my brain kind of runs straight to what Lance Stroll would do if his father Lawrence becomes like a co-owner of the sport. That's it. This is the moment I was waiting for when we get to talk about Lance Stroll. And but you know I've actually got a lot more on Lance Stroll than just what if scenarios, right? So guys, uh, do you remember the the video that F1 put out just a few days ago? Explain F1 to a five-year-old. That video. Yeah, it was a great video. I think I saw it like three times. And I think, without any bias, the driver who did it best was Kimi Raikkonen. He said, "Formula One is fast and fun." You know? Yeah, I mean, no bias, but he's definitely got a bit of practice at home with his <laughs> kids, so maybe that's why he got it right. Uh, he got it spot on, I would say. Uh, the other driver that I really thought gave the best answer was, you know, Alexander Albon. He said something similar: fast cars, and then he just ended up saying, "Hey, my car is blue." And that was just so simple and straightforward. So unlike Formula One, yeah. You know. And meanwhile, Valtteri Bottas was wondering, how do we explain aerodynamics to a five-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> the worst of all, and I'm sure you guys were waiting for this, was Lance Stroll. So he said one thing, which was, "Okay, we drive around in circles, which is fine." But then he paused to then add, "Say as fast as I can," right? And to me, the as fast as I can seemed like such an afterthought. I I can't tell you. It yeah. just seemed like okay. I have to add the word fast somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So if Stroll and Wolf buy Formula One, I don't think they're ever going to let us into the paddock. You know, given how much fun we make of Lance Stroll and Kunal, this is all on you. This is your fault. But if they do buy and they do ban us, then I will send all the clippings of what Wolf said this week's section only to Toto Wolf to. To just say how much we've dissected his, you know, statements and how mu- how much more famous we've made him. Yeah, right? how much so, attention we've given him, literally. Yeah, but you know, in which case, my next what if scenario is: what if Bernie Eccleston buys Formula One back from Liberty Media? Ooh, that's a wild one. Yes. Yeah, so if Eccleston, you know, buys F1 back from Liberty Media. I promise you guys, he won't follow any of the advice he's given Liberty Media in the last three to four years. Like, just mark my words. That's true, and I get this feeling that Eccleston would literally go back to not marketing Formula One. You know, canceling the social media engagement plan and not in, uh, airing the classic races on YouTube, all of that. But there could be a silver lining here. If Eccleston buys back Formula One, I think there'll actually be no virtual Grand Prix. Can you imagine? That? Like. <laughs> What a silver lining! Oh God, can I please do not celebrate these, uh, you know, small victories? I think if Eccleston ever gets back into power, the sport might actually go backwards rather than forwards, and I would hate that. And I, I would agree with you on that because, you know, to me, Liberty Media's approach, uh, you know, seems very scientific. They might not have met with much success in the short term. But I do feel that the medium to you know long term prospects for the business of Formula One, uh, you know the, those prospects feel much better. And overall, Formula One just seems like they are being better managed at. 
the moment. That's true. And in fact, I really feel that the current unequal terms, uh, you know, that have created this existing divide in Formula One. Those have largely been do- uh, Bernie Ecclestone's doing. It's a very mild way to put it. but okay. Exactly. I really hope that Ecclestone doesn't get back into power, you know, for the sake of Formula One and for our sake and future viewers of the sport and all of that. Yes, so our final what-if scenario. What have you got? Okay, this one's a what-will rather than a what-if scenario. What will Netflix's show, uh, uh, season three of Drive to Survive, actually show? Because, you know, up till now, we've only had virtual Grand Prix. And unfortunately, uh, Lando Norris being taken out of the IndyCar race has been the, the single most exciting thing that happened. Oh, but, my God. Yeah, yes. that doesn't fall under the scope of work to cover. Yes, I, I still can't believe that professional racers actually did that. It was just such a shock. I know, and it, it's like drivers should be banned for dangerous driving or, you know, just unsportsmanlike driving, if that's the word, in the virtual world as well, right? I think that's a pertinent question. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's like, you know, the world is anyway not embracing esports as the real deal. And, you know, then you've got last year's Indy 500 winner go and commit such an act. And then we're like, really? I can't believe it was Simon Page now who actually did that. And for a second, I almost imagined if, you know, Simon would go and blame it on Marcus Erickson. Thank <laughs> God he didn't do that. You're giving him ideas for next time. I hope there's never a next time to this. <laughs> well, I think the best explanation of esports was by Andrew Frankel. He said that watching esports is like watching someone else drink alcohol-free beer. That's that's such an insightful Court like bullseye, yeah, Andrew. It is thank you, fantastic. and thanks for bringing this up. That's a fantastic analogy. That's how I feel. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, a note to Netflix: If you guys are running out of content for season three, you are most welcome to use some of ours, guys. We've got tons and tons of it on our show. No dearth of content here. Absolutely, just ping us, and we'll be happy to just you know give you all all the previous episodes in whatever format you want. But uh, do we have more time to talk, Mithila? Okay, so Mithila is the chief timekeeper of the Inside Line F1 podcast. She sort of signals when we're, you know, getting close to the 25-27 minute mark for this episode. Yeah, guys, it's a very important role. Someone's got to do it seriously. Yes. And Kunal, I'm happy to report that we have a couple of minutes more. What have you got to talk about? So uh, there's been talk about how heavy the current F1 cars are, you know, compared to the cars, say, in 2013 uh, the current cars are almost 130 kilos heavier. Whoa, that's like Formula One cars have gotten obese in the last six or seven years. They've been feasting on McDonald's. I <laughs> promise that's how it feels. But for 2020, though, the cars would weigh just one kilo more than 2019. That's like inflation. Yes, that's, that's quite marginal. Saying. And uh, in fact, Kubica and Vettel were both vocal on this subject. And they said that lighter cars would improve the show. And uh, in fact, Vettel said that lighter cars with lesser downforce may actually give the same lap times. I really wish Sebastian Vettel would explain it to us the way he would explain it to a five-year-old. That's what you got. (laughs) Awesome. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this crazy, hilarious episode and uh, come back next week. Yes. Thank you. Adios. Adios. A different future starts with you. 
That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can drive change or build an empire. We need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com.